What are the intros that you say without even thinking about it? Really, when it comes down to it, you're not even listening to this. And if our intros tell us who we are, then what does our intro say about who we're becoming? (laughs) We want to have a conversation around rewriting the intro because we say the same thing every time. (laughs) Welcome to the Inhabit Podcast. We're having a conversation around forming habits that help us follow Jesus and the introduction has become so habitual to us that we... We wanted to resist. We wanted to break free. And some would say that Sabbath, as we've been talking about, is a resistance against doing the same intro every week. It is. It is a resistance. And hopefully by this point, you uh, have been listening to us and you've considered the practice of Sabbath. You've maybe, maybe even given a few a go or you've put it in your calendar. And really at this point, we want to look at some, some things, really three things that help us keep going in, in our practice of Sabbath. Because as we talked about in uh, the first season, there is a J-curve to every practice, every habit. Remind us what the J-curve so is. So if, you, if you picture a, a graph and a J on that graph, any new thing that you start Uh, The J-curve tells you that you will be like a little bit good at that thing and then slowly it will become worse and it will become harder. So you'll go through the dip of the J. But if you persevere... You'll go up, up the J. You go up that skate ramp and you'll you'll launch off on the other side and get some serious airtime. Hectic. Hectic. Um, But yeah, we thought, you know, that we would give some tools for continuing to keep in your mind as you develop your Sabbath practice, because there can be temptations to throw in the towel or, you know, it doesn't quite become a habit Uh, or even as you do it, you know, I find that this happens with me. Like I kind of have to reset my Sabbath practices often because I kind of find, you know, I just, uh, I fall back into uh, bad habits of not resting, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of not sort of entering that rest the way that I want mm. to. So anyway, we, uh, in true Baptist pastor form, we want to give you three words that start with the same letter that will help you continue to, to journey deep into the Sabbath land. I love it. I love it. The first R is resistance. And this whole idea comes from... Uh, Walter Brueggemann, who is a great uh, theologian, um, wrote a book called Sabbath as Resistance, um, which I would highly recommend. But it's the idea that the, the practice of Sabbath was given to the Jews who had just come out of slavery. They were slaves to Egypt for 400 years. The Exodus happens, all this incredible stuff with Moses and um, the plagues and through the Red Sea and and some crazy stuff. They go to Mount Sinai, they hear from God, the the Ten um, Commandments come down on tablets. It's this incredible moment. And in one of those commandments is this command to really take a day off. Um, We know it's so much more than that. But this was an incredible act of kind of resistance against this nation who had been enslaved and their role was to make bricks every day. Like they had, they had a quota of bricks, 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 bricks. It was all about what they could accomplish, what they could uh, create, what they could produce. And their whole value was tied up in how many bricks they made that day. 
in the eyes of the empire, they were only as good as their productivity. And that sounds like something from the ancient world that is probably familiar to a lot of us today. We can feel like our worth, our value, our, our sense of self is tied up in how much we produce, how much we create, how much we do, how busy and important we are. And so this idea of Sabbath as resistance is actually basically intentionally uh, swimming in the opposite direction of that one day a week to remind ourselves that who we are is not what we do uh, and our value uh, from, from God is something that is uh, about us, who we, who we are when we're just being uh, just as much as when we're running around trying to get stuff done. Absolutely. The practice of Sabbath is a, a big fu against our, our cultural idols of busyness and accumulation and accomplishment. It's a rage against the machine that says, as A.J. Swoboda says, you know, the gospel and the Sabbath screen the same thing, that we are not slaves. I am not a slave to the system. I am not a machine. I am not a, a, a captive to the culture around me. So if you weren't excited about Sabbath before, now you can get excited that when you Sabbath, you are literally flipping the bird Come on. to the system. Come on. You were saying, you know what? I am worth more than what I do on those other six days of the week or whatever. And uh, that, that makes me pretty pumped. That makes me want to kind of join the, the Sabbath revolution. Come on. So that's point one overcoming our cultural idols of accumulation and accomplishment and um, reminding ourselves that we are not slaves. That's right. That's right. And I think um, an important thing to remember in that, um, A.J. Swadoba in his book, again, um, Subversive Sabbath, talks about that um, the Sabbath is like scheduled social justice. And so the uh, Israel, when they received this commandment, were um, under the boot or had come from kind of the boot of the empire. They had come out of slavery. Um, but really in our culture, like we are Egypt now, like we are the, the empire. We are part of this thing. And we know that, um, you know, all the stuff, even the things that we are recording on, our, our MacBooks, the clothes we are, are wearing uh, for the most part, you know, the shoes you wear, your iPhone in your pocket, uh, have all been produced probably by the the world's uh, poorest people, mm. uh, the people that we are enslaving mm. to create our products. And so even like even that realizing that we are um, part of this machine and, and, and part of the, the, uh, the command in the Ten Commandments was that your slaves would get a day off as well. It is a day for resting for you and your family and your slaves and your livestock. And that idea that stopping... And stopping accumulating, stopping buying stuff is in an act of social justice, of stepping back from the system for a while. That is such a powerful reminder. You know, we often read ourselves in the pages of Scripture as the underdog, as the, uh, the oppressed people, uh, when in the world today we're actually more on the side often of the empire, of the oppressor. Mm. Um, so... You know, uh, even just hearing you say that, I'm like, whoa, like for me, Sabbath is not, it, it, it's partly about, you know, recognizing when do I um, sort of self uh, sign up for slavery? 
when do I get into that mindset of value in production? But also, how do I? How much do I expect that of the world around me? You know, um, we recently just had the Easter weekend, and I I'm a pastor for goodness sake, but I'm driving around on Good Friday like, hey, I want to get some food. Where's open? And I kind of have these ridiculous expectations that the world will always meet my needs. Mm. And so the other side of Sabbath as resistance is resisting the oppressor mm. urge in us, is resisting the empire and power urge in us and actually releasing other people into rest as well. So if you're listening to this and you are an employee or a boss or a senior pastor or a school principal or anybody who has the opportunity to give people encouragement permission and empowerment to rest then that's part of the challenge for you as well it's not just about ourselves it's how do we encourage others into sabbath how do we make it easier for each other rather than putting up barriers and obstacles yeah it's so good the second r is that sabbath is rhythm that it is it is a uh a pattern to follow that this this ancient kind of rhythm of a seven-day week, six days working, one day rest, is actually built into the fabric of humanity. Um, in 1973, France, in I guess this effort to to de-Christianize society, to increase productivity, actually tried to move to a 10-day work week, which I find so fascinating. Um, but the experiment just went terribly. And um, suicide rates skyrocketed, production actually decreased. And what it shows us is that there is this uh, inbuilt rhythm in humans that actually makes us more productive is this kind of seven-day structure, six, week, six days work, one day rest. It's crazy, isn't it? And that, that there's so many different, um, yeah, I guess examples, studies, pieces of research that kind of demonstrate that idea that we don't just – we're not geared towards increasing on a, on a kind of the same rate. Uh, there are lots of areas where, you know, for example, um, with, our, with our happiness, there's kind of the, the whole idea that money doesn't buy happiness. And there's actually a certain point where uh, when we have what we need, mm. it does contribute to our happiness and to our sense of contentment. But beyond that, it just doesn't um, continue to increase at the same level. It kind of flatlines. Yeah. And it's the same thing with our work. We kind of trick ourselves into thinking that, well, me working 60 hours must mean double the productivity of me working 30 hours, but it's actually false. You cross a point, and for most people it is probably around that 30 to 40-hour mark. You cross beyond that point, and you're actually working more hours at like half productivity. Mm. So without rhythm, um, we actually we trick ourselves into, into thinking that we're doing double the amount when really we're halving uh, what we can do. Absolutely. And you see, you see Jesus do this all the time, this kind of rhythm of your team engage with the crowd and, and teach and heal. And then he'd like slip away from the crowd and spend time on his own. And then he'd come back and he'd go to the next place and then he'd do a bunch of stuff and then he'd slip away. And he had this kind of rhythm of, of work and rest. And there's something so powerful in that. And, Absolutely. and not really a life of necessarily continued balance. Um, as much as I would love my life just to be perfectly balanced, mm. but an idea of rhythm that we would we would be like this kind of this rise movement. and fall, yeah, in and out, up and down, yeah, like the tide in and out. And I just yeah. think there's there's so much in creation and in humanity that's that's 
built for rhythm. We're not built for 24-7 production. We're not built for 24-7 rest either. We're built for mm. rhythm. Yeah, and that's important to note as well. Like I think for our culture, the bigger problem is the overwork. Um, but, you know, this idea of, of uh, rhythm is about, uh, as John Mark Comer says, work and rest are friends, not enemies. Mm. Um, so getting that balance right, getting that rhythm right where we are, um, creating and producing and and able to put our hands and our minds to things, um, but also at the same time uh, we're doing that with with space and with margin and with with yeah that right sense of um, ebb and flow. Um, you know I love the all the stuff about Jesus withdrawing and disappearing from the crowd and slipping <laughs> slipping away. I kind of wonder like if uh, someone was to write a book about my life, would they say? Will went and uh, did his jobs and then he disappeared from the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> or like if, you know, <laughs> you're catching up with, hey, Will was here a moment ago, he just disappeared. But almost that sense of like you don't need to tell the crowd, you don't need to make a big deal out of it, but sometimes you just need to disappear. Sometimes yes. you just need to be assertive and go and get what you need without asking other people to affirm you in that. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean to be honest, most of us, if we were in Jesus' position and we had the crowd yelling our name and, and asking us to do more stuff, like that, that is success in our culture. Mm. And very few of us, I think, would slip away at that moment. Like we would be, we would be all up in that be loving. Crowd surfing. We would be crowd surfing. Everyone knows my name. I'm doing good stuff. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm adding value to the world. Like it's in those moments that it's actually hard to, to step away. It's probably also in those moments where, and I'm assuming Jesus knew this, that's exactly the moment you start to get a bit of fame, you start to get a bit of love, people start to chant your name. Well, you need to get out of there and remind yourself that that who you are is found in in that sense of um, who you are with, with God, who you are when you're sitting in the presence of the divine. And being reminded that it's sort of this paradox. It's always a paradox. You are deeply loved and valued, but you're not as important as you think you are. Mm. And and so, yeah, when we get to those those spaces of, you know, increased responsibility, increased success, increased fruitfulness, those are the exact times when you need to remind yourself, do I, am I obeying the rhythm of stepping out of that, pulling back from yeah. that and going back in? Like that's the whole point of a rhythm. Um, but yeah, that's it's huge. Good. It's good. And that leads us to our third point, which is Sabbath as reminder, a reminder that I am not God. Like I am not the man. I am not the one who's making the world turn around. The world does not revolve around me. Uh, even the people that depend on me are okay without me. Um, and stepping away from that, stepping away from the crowd is a reminder for ourselves that like it's, it's not all about me. This is a huge part of the work of Sabbath in me. Uh, when I Sabbath, you know, it's partly about just that, that sense of rest and restoration in my body, but it's also a constant teaching to myself that I need to kill any part of me that feels so important that I think the world won't survive without a Sabbath from Will. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, that's the thing. Like I could disappear from the face of the earth today and things would just keep going. They'd be okay. If I have any sort of sense that um, things are relying on me to, to continue on as they are intended to be, then Sabbath is, is kind of a, a stark 
reminder to that part of me just to, you know, just remember that I am absolutely not at the center. And that is actually a liberating thought. That is not, that is not about self-loathing. That is not about beating myself up. That is actually about giving myself permission to be a participant in the world mm. rather than to, to feel like I'm somehow like the conductor yeah. of the world. It's a practice that helps us crucify our inner superhero, right? Oh, yeah. That's good. Um, AJ Swoboda, I know I've quoted him a lot, but I really love his book, Subversive Sabbath. Go buy it, read it. Sub-sab. Sub-sab. He says, uh, the Sabbath reminds us that the ultimate work is not that, not that which is on our to-do list. So the ultimate work is not the things that are on our to-do list. The ultimate work is actually abiding with, with God, being, uh, being available to the presence of God, being with the people that are closest to us, enjoying our creation, enjoying what God has created around us, enjoying what God has blessed us with, reminding ourselves that we are not the main thing, that actually the world revol- revolves around Jesus and not us. Um, and that our most valuable work isn't in the thing that we ticked off our to-do list. It isn't in the 40 hours that I clocked this week. It's not in the, um, you know, all the ways where I felt like I was important. But the value is in me becoming more like Jesus and that being the greatest gift to the world. Not that which I do, um, but more with the spirit that I do tick off my to-do list when I go into doing that. Beautiful. And I think, you know, I've heard... Uh, I've heard people that I look up to as they mature in their leadership and in their um, in their sense of self. You know, people that are really secure in their self. There's almost this shift from being a person doing in the world and and leading from activity and from you know um, getting things done. There's there's this shift that I see in people as they mature. Who I lo- I'm looking up to as role models, where they start to live much more out of a place of being, mm. where they lead out of a place of being, where they love out of a place of being, and I think that that is so related to this idea of Sabbath. That Sabbath is something that helps um, as we resist, uh, as we live in rhythm, and as we remind ourselves of who we are. Mm. Then I believe we can start to live lives. That, that are about who we are, which is, you know, that's our whole point. Who are we becoming um, rather than just, you know, what kind of output are you having as a machine in the world? Yeah, that's right. Who we are is foundational to what we do, not the other way around. So there you have it, three R's, resistance, rhythm, reminder, R. <laughs> Pirates love to Sabbath. (laughs) Uh, Well, have a great afternoon or evening or morning whenever you're listening to this. And uh, make sure you catch next week's episode. We're going to be chatting to Andrew Renucci, who is... The fourth uh, R. The fourth R. (laughs) Incredible guy. We'll catch you then. Music for Inhabit has been produced by our legendary friend Josh Corkhill. Inhabit is a collaborative project between Narara Valley Baptist Church and Greenhouse Church Long Jetty. If you think there is value in this conversation, help us reach more people by giving us a positive rating and writing a short review on the iTunes Store or Apple Podcasts. 
And of course, share it around on your social media and continue the conversation with the people around you. We'll catch you next time on Inhabit.